Greetings, and welcome to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. If you're like any of us, you may have dreamt, maybe even more than on one occasion, about what it might be like journeying to Hogwarts, being sorted into your house, being a part of the wizarding world, and taking your first steps in becoming a true witch or wizard yourself. In today's episode, we'll be discussing just that. Joining us at the club today, we have Lizzie, representing the ambitious and cunning Slytherin house. <laughs> wait, 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 Liz, what? This was like the purple cobras from Dodgeball. <laughs> Slytherin. It's like when the, it's like, it's almost like a, like a, the beginning of a musical from the 60s. It's like West Side Story. <laughs> Since you're not in my house, I do not have to explain our ways to you. Draco Malfoy is sitting there snapping his fingers in the background. Oh my goodness. Lizzie, you're telling me you're not half goblin? It is not a goblin. That's a snake. Slytherin. Might have Slytherin. 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 We also have with us Abby, hailing from Ravenclaw, the house of the wise and well-learned. I am not cawing like a bird. Just gonna throw that out there right now. <laughs> Myself, Justin of the Loyal Hufflepuffs, and as always, we have with us my brother Rob from Gryffindor, who hasn't read the books. That's right. I am indeed from Gryffindor, as everybody who has not read the books proclaims, because it's not a it's not a Gryffindor thing to do to read the books. You look at all of our main characters, other than Hermione Granger. You got <laughs> Ronald Weasley. Never does any of his work. So Gryffindors are lazy. Is that what I mean? <laughs> Uh, it, you're not far off. You're not. It, I would say that uh, our focus is uh, on much more important things, like being awesome. Bruder is I know I mentioned before about how going to Hogwarts for any fan of Harry Potter is like a dream come true, right? Absolutely. Obviously, we've all fantasized about receiving that acceptance letter and attending Hogwarts at one point or another. We've taken quizzes and we've taken the questionnaires. We've gotten the merchandise to match our preferred houses. For you guys, what would be the most exciting piece in being accepted into Hogwarts? If you were first years getting that letter stamped with the Hogwarts official seal, what would you be looking forward to the most? I mean, other than spending a year not under the watchful eye of your parents and their rules. Um, <laughs> I honestly, like, I would probably feel slightly similar. Like, I mean, I would assume that, like, if I came from, like, if I, being a muggle, received that, I would probably feel similar to Hermione, where it's like this whole world uh, has just been opened up to you. Let's learn as much as you can about it. You know, Ron didn't care because he grew up around it. And so, it, like, a lot of people, they didn't care. This is just... Right, right. Hermione, this was something she never would have even dreamed about. And so that's why she had such a passion for it. And that's why she wants... And I feel like, you know, learning charms and potions, I'd be, I'd be very excited for that. Yeah, I'd definitely be much more like Ron Weasley. You know, obviously... My family would come from a re rich, deep history of magic, kind of like the Weasleys, where they're pure blood in essence, but they're not total jerks about it. You know, that would be my family. And I'd be like, you know, what? we've got flying cars. We cast jinxes at each other in the house for fun. You know, some some pairs of brothers, they go in the backyard and throw sticks and rocks at each other. We're slinging spells off of broomsticks. Eating slugs. <laughs> 
having known you in your childhood, I can absolutely see that. <laughs> but because we're not really magic, we had to settle for sticks and rocks. <laughs> it's close enough. Uh, well, coming from, as Abby said, um, you know, a muggle family, I would associate ourselves as like the Creebies, Colin and oh, um, uh, whatever his younger brother's name was. So as the younger sister of a muggle learned magical, I would say my number one would be probably either Transfiguration or Potions. Like Colin Creevy. Wait, we got, we got pause for a second. Colin Creevy, you're talking about Camera Boy? We yeah. are talking about Camera Boy. Camera Boy, who was in for one movie and then never seen again? Well, they were very apparent in the books if had you, you had read, read them. them. Was Colin Creevy really that apparent in the books? He was. He gets a little more normal and supportive of Harry as he like starts to become more acclimated to the wizarding world. His, I think his brother Dennis, when he got in, he was kind of a little bit like how Colin was, and Colin was like correcting him. But you know what? Doesn't 10 and 11-year-old boys learning magic. Wait, wait. You're, you, all right, so nobody's answered my question. Do they contribute any significance to the story of Harry Potter? They absolutely do. Colin Creevy actually dies in the Battle of Hogwarts. To yep. This the is the reason why people don't read the books, because you spend too much time on camera, boy, what? and we need to get straight to the action. It's a big moment for Harry. I think Harry kind of looked at him as like a little brother. An annoying little brother. Cool. Yeah. I think Harry sees a little bit of himself in camera, boy. Except having a camera, of course. And parents. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you just picture Colin. Wow, Harry, you know so much about wizards and magic. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me what it's like to have parents. Wait, you're saying your family loves you. What's that like? With that being said, though, I mean, Colin Creevy was amongst the individuals who was petrified by the Basilisk in book two. and. Mm -hmm. Um, them opening the camera to see that the film was destroyed was... I'll tell you the only yeah. reason why Colin Creevy got into Gryffindor because he is the quintessential red shirt wearing technician from a Star Trek episode. <laughs> he just got that red and gold colors and that's just the mark of death right there. Yep. If it looks like a duck and walks like a duck. It's a duck. I learned that from your parents, Lizzie and Abby. Yeah, learned it's probably something Dave. Learned saying. that from Dave. He gave you some more queso. <laughs> Poor advice. But regardless, uh, as a Slytherin, coming from a Muggle family, mm. potions and transfigurations. That amongst happen, shopping. If you, and if you buying were a Muggle everything. born, you would not be a Slytherin. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that is a huge no. Very you have to true. at least be half blood. Is this true? Is There are no Muggle borns in Slytherin? Salazar wanted them completely out. Yeah, I so. didn't realize that the Sorting Hat had such prejudice. Oh, well, it's not the Sorting Hat; it's the founder. especially, especially in the 1990s. Cannot believe it. <laughs> it's still a major criteria for Slytherin. Yep, Abby's absolutely right. I would either have to be half blood or pure blood. I mean, I'm not saying that we would definitely come from Muggle families, but I'm just saying, like, if well, looking at our parents, I would definitely say they're Muggles. Yeah, that's fair. Your parents would be the parents that Arthur Weasley would love to like just go over and be like, "Oh, so Dave." Your what is this? full of What are the, all mm. these tools for? <laughs> He's like, well, I have them, but I don't use them. They're purely decorative. And what are these small animals that you guys keep here in the garage? The oh, those are those are rabbits. 
Oh, do you pull those out of your hats? No, we we feed them. Why? <laughs> we look at them. Well, they're, we them. they're kind of they're kind of cute, you know. Except one of them peed in uh, one of the kids' mouths. That definitely happened. Did that happen? Harriet definitely flung pee in Ben's face. That's disgusting. That's true from your guys' life. I imagine your parents, your family would be like, you know, the family that the Dursleys have over in uh, in the Chamber of Secrets mm-hmm. when Vernon is up for his big promotion, you know, and he brings his boss over. That's what I imagine your family would be like. Just chaos, mostly. <laughs> Trying to be normal. Not working. Not succeeding. <laughs> Just poor, poor Dave trying to be the man of the house and lay down the law, but unable to uh, handle his uh, young daughters who are learning magic. Kate getting dropped on his fine guest head. <laughs> it's fine. I think for me, if I was going to Hogwarts, I'd be really excited for like Quidditch mm. and feeling like, oh yeah, like I'm going to try out for the Quidditch team. I'm going to make captain my first year. Something completely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Very hard goals to achieve. Be like, uh, I don't know. He, he just be like McClagan. I'd say his ads are probably all right. Like, Maybe if you're well, obviously, because you're in Hufflepuff, you know, but you can't just come into Gryffindor where the, the standards for the Quidditch team in Gryffindor are excellent. Excellence only. Hufflepuff, I imagine you've got some kids who are probably like, you know, a little, a little, uh, a little bigger around the waist, you know. They're a little slower on the broomstick. Are we really sure about this though? Because the only reason why Harry got on the Quidditch team in the first place is because he just hopped on a broom without. Permit. He showed great initiative, though. And he caught the remember all perfectly, and that he was showed show. natural talent <laughs> by breaking the rules. <laughs> With that being said, Newt's commander, the greatest magical beasts authorian. Of the modern century. All right. Was well, all right. Okay. So you got one. You got a guy who read a book, wrote a book, and you've got uh, Cedric Diggory. You got a guy who uh, died in the Tri Wizard tournament. Yeah, but was he uh, really so? Uh, well, I mean, I guess of all of the Gryffindors who had put their names in the hat, he was. Oh, sorry, guys. I forgot. There's one more. There's uh, we couldn't forget about Justin Finch Fletchley. Also, who made a great appearance in uh, the Chamber of Secrets by introducing himself to Harry Potter and then showing up petrified later on. That's not true, Rob. There's one other person. What's the person's name? You know, that guy. That guy from the third movie where he's like, it's a it's an omen. Oh, the one yeah. guy who doesn't even have a name? Yep. The guy, guy who explains what the Grim means by reading out of a textbook. Oh, great. So you got, guy, you got two guys who die. You got a guy who writes a book, and you got a guy who reads a book. That's Hufflepuff House. Nymphagora Tonks is a um, Hufflepuff as well. Oh, I take it back. Nymphadora Tonks is pretty great. You guys should have led with Nymphadora Tonks. Newt Scamander is pretty cool. Newt Scamander is a stick in the sand. He faced Grindelwald, though. That takes... Takes a lot. Maybe we need to have a separate episode about Newt Scamander and how Eddie Redmayne was a disappointment in that movie. Because I go in 2016, sitting in the theaters, ready to dive into the fantastic world of Fantastic Beasts, an area that I thought was underdeveloped in the Harry Potter movie franchise. And so I'm looking forward to learning all kinds of new creatures of the Harry Potter mythos. And Eddie Redmayne 
stumbles over the names of every single creature in that movie. <laughs> Can't understand a single name. Watch the movie again, and he's like, and uh, they're asking him, what is that creature? And he's like, oh, it's an, an, an nifner. That's a nifner. I gotta go back. I gotta go back to Times Square. Why, Newt? Because I need to get my... You can't understand a single creature other than Thunderhawk. <laughs> you have to watch the whole say, Now I have to rewatch this. Liz and I actually just came across this article at the same time that says that Johnny Depp is forced to exit the Fantastic Beasts franchise. I you know, Justin and I actually just talked about this before we started recording. I was like, we need to give a shout out about Johnny Depp. Man, I think Johnny Depp got crucified for no reason because everyone believed his psycho wife when literally all of his exes came forward and had nothing but glowing reviews to say about him. An ex. An ex. You know, that's usually the person you talk smack about, but everyone's like... All of his exes came forward and they said, Johnny was such a wonderful man. And that is why we are no longer together today. <laughs> well, obviously things happen. Like, people can still be good people. Johnny Depp's exes are wincing as they're giving their character testimonies. They're like, Johnny is such a great good. He's a great good. Wincing from the expectation of a flying fist. <laughs> Johnny Depp got crucified for no reason. And I think just a lot of people, it ruined his career in the franchise. And... So now he's forced to leave. Not saying there's a great Grindelwald, but just the fact that that's why. It's pretty sad. I think the most surprising thing in the article that I read about it is that there's going to be five Fantastic Beasts movies. Oh, I didn't get to that. The surprising thing wasn't that Johnny Depp was getting fired. I was like, they're making five? <laughs> Considering the two have been... Uh... I was like, wow, they're making five <laughs> movies? That's a little oh. aggressive. Can't wait to hear more of Eddie Redmayne going, oh, that's a fun for her. So wait, is it, is, are they going to make three and then a two part finale? Or are they going to make? That's my theory as well. I think they're making three and then there's going to be a two part fourth movie. Yeah, I can see that. A la every single modern youth uh, fiction, young adult fiction uh, movie franchise. Twilight did it. Harry Potter did it. Harry Potter was the first Mm. to do it. But then the Are Hunger Games Indiana? did it. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Well, Probably. The Hobbit. The Hobbit. Yeah. the Hobbit did it. The Hobbit did it to the extreme. The Hobbit dragged it way out. The Hobbit took what is already... Here's the thing. It's the what... reason why the Lord of the Rings movies are so successful is because they condense some of the uh, the meandering that J.K. T- or uh, J.R.R. Tolkien goes into. Mm-hmm. If you've read the first 120 pages of The Fellowship of the Rings... You're like, I don't understand where any of this is going. Everybody's hanging around the Shire singing songs. They're walking in fields of grass. J.R.R. Tolkien, definitely, he was a very descriptive man until it came to naming Mount Doom. (laughs) (laughs) But Created a wonderful universe. Named the uh, mountain Mount Doom. But, like, The Hobbit, you know, it was short and sweet. It was right to the point. And... That's right. It was, you know, The Hobbit is probably one, my favorite book out of all the stuff he's written. I love it. And mm-hmm. they just dragged it through the mud and brought in people that didn't even need to be there. And just, it just felt like they were. Just, I know you're not talking about Orlando you know, Bloom. 
I can get him being there, but Evangeline Lilly is will continue. Her character was the most useless character. They dragged her in just because they wanted to. And yeah, Keely? That's the was it Keely was or Keely. Feely? The only reason they brought her in was to create a love interest. And it's like, you didn't need it. Such a great story without it. They're like, you know what this story is missing? A love interest. Not only a love interest, a transracial love interest. A, a tragic love interest. A forbidden love Secret lovers. Nothing even happened. It's like, what's even the point of this? Going back, though, that kid who references the Grimm is Gryffindor. No, he is only in Gryffindor for that movie, though, because he comes back as a Hufflepuff in the fifth movie. Well. Look him up. His name's Bem. Bem. Otherwise known as Boy One in The Prisoner of Azkaban. Boy One. <laughs> Are we sure it's That's Boy what uh, Google says. He has a Hufflepuff and he's named Boy, Boy One. Can you imagine that guy trying to pick up women riding on his Harry Potter fame? I was like, by the way, I was in Harry Potter. And it's like, oh, well, who are you? Let's see if you remember this line. It's one of the darkest omens in our world. It's an omen of death, of death, of death, of death. <laughs> and as he, whispers, as he whispers death and repeats it, he just gets closer to, to a girl's ear, you know? He grew up. Well, I mean, that's typically what happens. Yeah. <laughs> he isn't a fat kid prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, oh my God. God. Liz. Liz. <laughs> 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 yeah. guys, guys, I knew we would have a moment where we had to take yeah. something out of the podcast. I thought it was going to be me. Oof. <laughs> 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 I think fat tip to the line. And then you jumped over it, <laughs> tiptoed to the line, and then hurdled over it. But you have to be descriptive in your Google keywords if I was going to find what I was looking for. I found immediately I what I was looking for. Bam. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't work, but the, uh, the verbiage. <laughs> so let's move on with the podcast. So. All right, so let's go back with what Lizzie was going to say. No, I'm, I'm done saying what I was saying. Yeah. I was saying <laughs> yeah, Gryffindor. Because the image, he's wearing a Gryffindor tie. He is wearing a Gryffindor tie. And he's sitting with um, Seamus, right? Yeah, he is. He's down there. Well, he's in Gryffindor's uh, divination class. Mm-hmm. I bet that kid was related to somebody in the production crew. Yeah, or won a contest or something. Had to have been. He scored big, though. He landed he in Hufflepuff. He was sitting right next Is that to... scoring big? And you know what? Landing in Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. You know. I'm a Hufflepuff. I think it was more like he was demoted. <laughs> They're like, gotta use him somehow. <laughs> Shuffle him over here. It's in his contract. He's gotta be in all these movies. <laughs> well, does anybody remember who he is? No, we never even came up with a name for him. Boy What's his official name? His name is Boy One. All right, well, let's... Change it to boy uh, M. Bo- Bem. Bem. That's it. Um. <laughs> no, his real name is Bem. Bem. Yeah, give, him a, give him a Hufflepuff tie. <laughs> no, he doesn't need to change anything else. It's just the tie that separates him. Like handing him a red shirt. Well, well. Rob, what else, what else would come with that letter in the first year's material? Now, we've got, I've got the supply list pulled up here. Now, I didn't read the books, but I do my research. All right? So I've got... First-year students that require a lot of things, 
And I got to be honest with you guys, it's a snooze fest. The list that first years get is mostly clothes. It's mostly what pairs of undergarments to bring. It's like, oh, you need three pairs of work robes. You need a pointed hat. You need a winter coat. <laughs> it's that page in the book. It's a page that over. nobody reads. Because it's all boring. Two pages later, you're in Diagon Alley, which is a fantastic scene to imagine. But there are some things that are pretty interesting that we could even talk about. First thing, every wizard needs to bring a wand to Hogwarts. Which is handed out by Ollivander, who was a Ravenclaw. Well, he's the most popular of the wand makers, well, but there are other wand makers in Diagon Alley. Anyone. The discount everyone, wand makers. Everyone who's anyone. Anyone who's Anna. They go to Ollivander. Ollivander agreeably is the premier, the foremost uh, authority on wand lore and wand making. I mean, he's important enough that that Lord Voldemort takes him away. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You don't get the third rate wand expert when you're a dark lord trying to take over the world. You go for the best of the best. But man, it was a good time to be a discount wand maker when that was going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grigorovich was really counting his blessings when he got killed by... The problem with being a second-rate wand maker is you're disposable. Grigorovich was not giving any uh, any grace. That's true. He was kaput. Voldemort was like, you're using things like basilisk fang in your wands? <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, it's pretty powerful. And this mm -hmm. can wipe out a... Uh... Kill anyone. Yeah. So let's talk about wands then. What what wands would uh, would you guys be bringing? We've we've all taken our uh, Wizarding World tests, formerly known as Pottermore, which we can all agree Pottermore was much better name than WizardingWorld.com. Right. Mm -hmm. It will never be Wizarding World. It will always be Pottermore. Is there a reason it changed, or is that just? I think it grew less popular because Pottermore started off as like this online, almost like an interactive video game story storybook, right? Kind of like the yeah. things that we grew up on. Remember when they used to make Disney movie video games that were interactive? Like we had Toy Story and Aladdin and Hercules. You mm -hmm. pop that into your computer. You learn a little bit about addition and math and reading, but you also get a great story. That's what Pottermore was like. But it was full of great quizzes that you could take, get sorted into your house, get your Patronus found out. But most importantly, for our conversation, you figure out what kind of wand you would have. Right. So my wand is cypress wood, unicorn hair core, 10 and three quarters inch, unyielding flexibility. So we should probably explain um, a little bit about what we're even talking about for those of you. I'm sure most people who would listen to this are well familiar with wand cores and different kinds of woods and the different uh, pliabilities. Yep, so there are three different wand cores that make up the magic or the heart of the wand. So they will bring power, the overall power to creating your magic. And so Ollivander didn't, didn't necessarily use these three different things because they were the most powerful for wand making, but because they were the most consistent and reliable. These are like the, the Volvo or the Cadillac of wand cores. And those three being... Dragon heart string, unicorn hair, and phoenix feather tail. Phoenix tail feather, sorry. Which is obviously, obviously hands one, down, yeah. you want phoenix but, feather. I dare say it'd be the most rare to get, right? Mm -hmm. How often do you come across phoenix? To it is, in fact, the most rare if you look at the, uh, if you look at what Wizarding World has to say about it, that phoenix feather is the, the most rare. 
Very picky. Very picky. Which the Phoenix has to give willingly the feathers, That's right. right? There's only a select amount of wizards even mentioned in the wizarding world that has a Phoenix feathered core inside their wand, which of course is Voldemort being one, Harry being the other That's right. in the same Phoenix. And then also Sylvanus Kettleborn. Wait, 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 wait. Sylvanus Kettleborn? Yeah. He was a uh, past headmaster, if I recall. I think so, yeah. Oh, so he was an old guy. Okay. Not not in the not in the movie. No, Got it wasn't it. like it was it would have been like something mentioned in passing. So of all the people who are like consequential, of all the people who are contemporaries of Harry, there's really nobody else mentioned. Nobody else. Harry might be the only kid at Hogwarts that has a phoenix feather. I mean, to be fair, it's not like everybody's introducing themselves on the train and uh, J.K. Rowling's writing about these kids, and it's like, Neville Longbottom, whose wand was made of Hollywood and also had a unicorn hair core. You know, it it doesn't go like that. Very rarely do we understand what uh, the cores are to the different wands. Right, like we only learned that um, Draco's had like heart, dragon heart string in it, right? If I'm correct, yeah. because Ollivander was telling Harry whose wand he had when he took it from Malfoy Manor. Like, Interesting. That Interesting, because his father Lucius also had a wand with dragon heart string as the core. Might be interesting to see how cores interact with different family members, with different wands uh, agreeing with different wizards. But I think we can touch on that when we talk about houses as well. Mm-hmm. Liz, what about you? What's your wand look like? So mine is made out of cypress wood. Now, if you Google the cypress tree, um, these are the fancy hedges that you see in a lot of HOA communities when they do not allow you to put up fences. <laughs> and as a homeowner <laughs> who is in one of those HOAs, I've seriously considered these uh, trees as well. So uh, very pleased with my type of wood. Unicorn hair. Um, what I assume is probably the most popular of the three cores. Mm-hmm. So not really surprising to me there as far as... Uh, it is, in fact, the most common. Right. Um, ten and three quarters inch. Not too long, not too short. Seems just about right for my height, my uh, my wingspan, if you will. And then um, unyielding flexibility, which I would also agree with because I will... Uh, not yield. <laughs> Unyielding I... in ones and in life. And in life. Agreed. <laughs> so I feel like this uh this wand did pick its wizard. Perfect match for Slytherin. <laughs> A short Indeed. and stubborn wand. Perfect for Slytherin. <laughs> I really like the wood that I got because like I'm out here in California and I ended up getting 14 and a half inch. That's actually, that's that's size. like top notch length on a wand. I mean, I don't know how it could get any bigger. Does the wand match the shoe size? 14, it, so. 14 and a half inch redwood with Phoenix feather core. Pliant flexibility. Pliant. So that's that's like your average rigidity, right? And remember, the length of a wand usually being from like eight inches to being like the smallest wand, 16 inches being like the most massive wand. You will imagine that would be for large, tall people. But Ollivander went against the conventional wisdom where most people thought that your wand length referred to your height. Um, Ollivander thought that your wand length 
referred more to the size of your personality and that people with large personalities tended to get longer wands regardless of their height. I know client is usually belonging to owners who are eager or enthusiastic and tend to be very easily impressed slash naive, which I think I all three checklisted categories. Yep. Put a check right next to all of them. Abby, what about you? Well, mine is um, made with dogwood, which I think it's a pretty cool tree. It flowers really nicely in the spring, which I enjoy flowering trees. All right, the fact that you had to defend dogwood by saying that it flowers nicely is just, I mean, that's a sign right there. What's that supposed to mean? If you were like, I got cherry blossom, you wouldn't need to be like, and as you guys all know, it flowers beautifully. But people, when they hear cherry blossom, they're like, ah, yes, that's a flowering tree. But I had to look up a dogwood. And by the way, whatever you just pictured when you heard dogwood, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) A flowering tree? (laughs) It looks exactly what it sounds like. So, dogwood, unicorn hair core, like Liz. Length is 13 inches and three quarters, which being 5'11". But it's an important three quarters. But really, Abby just tells all of her friends and uh, her husband that it's 14 inches. Rounding up. (laughs) So, you know, being 5'11", I say 13 and three quarters is a pretty solid size. And it has got a slightly springy flexibility. So... You know, I'm not surprised to hear that Abby has a long wand, and let me explain why. Because Abby and Lizzie, you come from a family of large personalities. I think (laughs) we could all agree on that, right? Yeah. Large personalities. Carol, Dave, Liz. Liz just left the room briefly because her dog, Kevin, was crying sadly to be let out. So We can't let Kevin into the podcast area where Liz and Abby are because he has a collar that has jingle bells on it. And that is a nightmare for post-recording. It is. And Kevin, he likes to run and hop all over the place. Just be a mess. So Liz will be back. Well, here we go, guys. Buckle up. My wand is a U-Wand, Y-E-W, with Phoenix. Yes, U. U? Not Y-O-U, as in U second person. I'm talking about the tree. I'm talking about tree that you would make for a longbow in Britain. You would wand with Phoenix Feather Core, 13 inches with a surprisingly swishy flexibility. That's surprisingly swishy. If I had a unyielding wand, it would easily be 18 inches. <laughs> I know, and that, that would unyielding. make it unmanageable. <laughs> so it's got to stay swishy. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know the rigidity, so we're talking about surprisingly swishy, we're talking about unyielding. Um, The rigidity of a wand just reflects how loyal that wand is to its owner, um, where a unyielding wand Mm -hmm. would be very hesitant to accept a new master, where a surprisingly swishy wand is just as it sounds, would be very flippant, very casual in changing masters hand to hand. Now, what I found was interesting. You wands, you wands, one of the rarer kinds of wood. So I've got the rarest Phoenix uh, feather core, got the rare wand wood. And so this wand wood is like something that marks like a very notorious wizard. Um, usually you see that these kind of wands are notorious, even uh, revered. And they're kind of like almost feared among uh, wizards as uh, being 
uh, belonging to dark wizards. But according to Wizarding World, it says that it just notes a remarkable wizard, somebody who's going to do great things. And it could be easily a fierce protector of other people rather than just somebody who is a dark wizard. So I've got this Yuan Rarewood marks the power of life and death. Great wood to have. And so there are only two wizards and witches. There are only two people in the entire Harry Potter series who are mentioned to have a Yuan. All right. So the first one I'm going to say doesn't look good for me. All right. It's Lord Voldemort. Lord Voldemort <laughs> has a wand made from you wood. And I think we can all do, agree, just as Alavander said, that he did great things. Terrible. Terrible. But great. So you've got Lord Voldemort. You've got the Dark Lord himself with a you wand. That looks bad. I understand it. But the second person listed with a you wand in the Harry Potter universe, Ginny Weasley. Ginny Weasley herself with the most That's fearsome not- bat bogey curse that you've ever seen <laughs> has a you wand. I'm talking about the Ginny Weasley who yeah. used Reducto in the in the Department of Mysteries, breaking down all of the prophecies. And she wrecked them. Mm-hmm. Best chaser is that in true? Their history. Uh- I don't know if it's best chaser, but I mean, she does go, I mean, maybe she definitely goes on to play professional. Yeah, Polly had herpes. Yeah. That is true. That is true. She plays professional quidditch before settling down to start her family. And I will finish it off with this. Wizarding World says that a U-Wand will never pick a timid owner. So nobody mediocre, nobody timid. Sorry, Seamus Finnegan. Sorry, Bem. You're not getting the U-Wand. Rob, what'd you say? You my my core, core is Phoenix Feather. We've got the same oh, so core, the same brothers core. of the same core. Brothers of the same Phoenix. I do like to think that we had the same Phoenix. Like kind of like a Harry and Voldemort. Yep. Well, Liz and I are both a uh, unicorn, but then again, unicorn is one of the more popular ones. But you never know. Same unicorn. Maybe. So Fun so fact, like- Abby's <laughs> unicorn hair came from the dead unicorn that you see in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Hey, you know what? It wasn't dead when they took the hair. <laughs> it was living in the prime of its life. It was, in fact, deceased, and that's why instead of its normal rainbow sheen on the hair, it's just gray and bristled. <laughs> it's like the hair of an old broom. Well, there's another thing that you can bring well, with you to Hogwarts that everybody, I'm sure, has an answer to this question. What kind of pet we bring into Hogwarts with us. So this, uh, I have beef with, and let me tell you why. So the typical animals that you are allowed to bring with as your pet are cat, owl, and of course, no one's favorite, the toad. That's now poor Neville got shafted. He sure did. But let me tell you why I have beef with that. I am a dog person through and through. Why can I not bring my dog? I'm mad that you said this. I'm mad that you Mm -hmm. said it, Liz, because this is exactly how I feel as well. I think I can. I think I get why. With the cats, they can leave them in the in their dormitories, no problem, during the day while they're in class because they use the litter box. They're able to do their thing. Whereas dogs, it'd be havoc. They'd be running all over the halls, barking, screaming at each other. Abby, I thought about the same thing, but then I thought about it. 
this is a school of magic. All right. Any problem with a dog can be solved with magic. All right. At first, at first I was thinking with a muggle mentality. I was like, all right, so why wouldn't they have a dog in Hogwarts? One, you'd have to walk down those changing stairs to take them outside to make their peeps and poops. That's frustrating. That's a headache. And I was like, wait, they've got magic. You can just Accio dog poop, throw it out the window, you know, out into the Quidditch pitch, or you just disappear it with, you know, like, I don't know what kind of poopery magic they've got in the wizarding world, but it seems easily remediable. Also, I think Filch would lose his mind at dogs all over the place upsetting Mrs. Norris. All but... the more reason to have more dogs at Hogwarts. I'm not saying it's right. In addition to, I am the proud owner of a dog who went to doggy daycare on a regular basis. And let me tell you, if you have at least two dogs, what is three? What is four? You put them all in the same room. They entertain themselves. That's right. They're all best bros. So, I mean, you basically put them into a paddock like you did the, uh, the Buckbeaks. The hippogriffs? The hippogriffs. <laughs> and you let them do their thing. That's a fair so, point. And I've got another point on the side of dogs for Hogwarts. Listen up. The keeper of keys and the groundskeeper at Hogwarts, Hagrid. Rubius Hagrid has many pets. Among them is what? A dog. A giant mastiff named Fang. Mm-hmm. I rest my case right there. I agree. So, so dogs are allowed at Hogwarts. I'm not saying I wouldn't mind dogs at Hogwarts, but I'm saying I can maybe get why they were left out. And you're bringing dogs instead of cats. Dogs well, instead of cats. In addition to dogs, who was it in the um, Harry Potter world who was dreading about her rabbit dying and then her rabbit died. She couldn't bring her rabbit to Hogwarts because it wasn't among the approved list. She was a Ravenclaw, wasn't she? I believe she was. And Pro Professor Trelawney told her that thing that you're dreading will happen next Friday. Mm -hmm. Boom, rabbit dead. Now, let me tell you, rabbits, way more easy to take care of than a toad who Neville kept losing all That's around true. the castle. Mm -hmm. And you know... Toads pee everywhere. They're disgusting. You can litter train rabbits. That's They're you spreading warts. They are. With that being said, owls, obviously the most useful of the pets to bring to Hogwarts. However, mm -hmm. you can borrow an owl from the the school owlery. So exactly. In fact, you could even befriend an owl from the owlery, therefore having two pets. Exactly. <laughs> Double the pets. So of the three, I feel like you would have to bring a cat, but I feel like the school is being prejudiced. Yeah, I don't understand why they went with like those as being the pets. I gotta be honest, I'd rather pick toad than cat. <laughs> rather pick the toad. Maybe I... like a poisonous toad, something I can use in one of my classes, you know? Well, can you imagine if you were in Hermione's dorm and then like one of her other dorm mates also brought a cat, a lot of cats. and somebody else brought a cat. Do you know this? Have you ever walked into the home of somebody cats? who has two or more cats? Oh, it's terrible. It's horrendous. Absolutely <laughs> horrible. I think but the reason why I hate have... this, Justin and I were babysat by a lady who was a sweet lady, had four cats. Wonderful woman. House woman. was horrendously smelling. You have to remember, though, the entire castle is taken care of by thousands of house elves. That is true. They are diligent. They... Here's 
And that's something we need to talk about. That's something that's kept behind the scenes in the movies, that there is an army of house elves slave laboring away in the castle night and day. Is it slave labor if you like your job? They're volunteers. It's slave labor if you can't leave, Liz. (laughs) They are volunteers. I mean, I'm not saying that like Hogwarts did not treat their house elves well, because I feel like they definitely did, especially when you compare to say like the Malfoys or, you know, the Blacks or whatever, and how they treated their house elves. But the house elves are raised thinking like, this is just what you do. You want to work for a family for free for your entire life for generations until you're gone without pay and you get dismissed with a piece of fabric. That in the blood. meanwhile, here's a here's a ruddy looking pillowcase <laughs> that you can drape over yourself like a coat being put over a chair. <laughs> How now, when creatures started loving working for Harry, his pillowcase was always in tip top shape. That's true. He he polished up a bit. And here's another reason why the house elves are even in worse shape. Who do the house elves answer to? Dumbledore, the headmaster. Who? Obviously the headmaster, but do you think Albus Dumbledore, greatest wizard of the entire world of that time, is going to be dealing with all the house elves? No. Who's going to? Who is the duty going to be delegated to? Argus Filch. I would disagree with you. Argus. Chain of command Filch. within the house elves. You're like telling me any- you'd enjoy your life of servitude to Argus Filch. I I feel like Argus, I don't know. It's hard to imagine like the chain of command, but I mean like in the books, Dobby, when he wanted to get paid and he spoke directly to Dumbledore and he was giving him like a few galleons for work and all the other house elves were scandalized by this and why he would want to get paid. But like Dumbledore was a very fair but strict master. <laughs> Dobby goes up to Dumbledore. Dobby wants payment from his work, Mr. Dumbledore. The flip side, though, Dobby requires galleons. I believe they would report to Deputy Headmistress Minerva McGonagall. I can see that. Still too much work. Minerva McGonagall has way too much on her plate. She's already she's already taken the job of recruiting random students for the Quidditch team for Gryffindor, as we see with Harry and the and the um, head of the house. And exactly. the Transfiguration Professor. You know who's got nothing on their plate? Madam Hooch. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, this lady's entire job is six job. games a year. And teaching flying lessons. That's true. And teaching flying lessons to first years. Yeah, I stand lessons. my list. She is the smartest professor Because I guarantee you, she is paid the same as everybody else. Yeah. The She's night paid night. the same as every other professor at Hogwarts. Just room and board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they get paid because they go to Hogwarts. And Hogwarts. they have their summer homes, too, that they go back to. Right. Yeah, Snape, um, I mean, oh, yeah. in, what was it? The uh, Not the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, yeah it is well, a Half-Blood. Yeah, Half-Blood Prince, where uh, Snape is um, visited by Malfoy's mom and Bellatrix, and uh, Grimtail is living with them. Oh, it's true. And you know, didn't yeah. Neville? Yeah, he did. And it, I think it mentions that, right? I think that's in the cursed child. Yeah. I don't think that's even in the cursed child, is it? Oh well, I guess uh, Neville would be the professor then. Uh, yeah, for he apology. Had... Yeah, mm-hmm. he took over for Sprout. 
Oh, I thought that was just an article on Pottermore. You know what? Albus Potter bringing a pet ferret. Is this true? Can we verify this? I mean, that's what it says. Hey, um, I got some facts to provide here. I've just looked up the requirements for pets for Ilvermorny School, the American Hogwarts, the premier institution for wizards and witches in America, and they allow any animal as long as it is dog. not three feet tall. Yeah, that's respectful. So they can have a <laughs> medium freedom. No more than a medium. And that's the kind of freedom we enjoy here in America. Lesser quality school, but dang it. <laughs> It's basically public school Hogwarts, but man, you can bring whatever animal you want. Imagine bringing like a chaotic animal. Like, imagine bringing a Kevin. I was thinking like you bring like, a bat and just when it gets loose and it just. You know. No, the hilarious thing is we've been <laughs> talking for like 10 minutes and we still have not any pets we would bring exactly. Oh, I think, yeah. I really don't think I would bring a cat, an owl, a rat, a toad. Definitely Here's the thing. Absolutely. Rats are not on the required list, on the accepted list, but who brings a stinky nine-toed rat to Hogwarts? <laughs> All the Weasleys. Ronald Billy Weasley. Brothers he was a, he was he a was hand-me-down rat. Yep, yeah. he was Bill's rat. Or no, he's Percy's rat. The Weasleys had been bringing rats for years. <laughs> he was a family heirloom. <laughs> Yep, given I, to him by so, Percy. So, Jay, what, what what kind of uh, pet would you bring then? You're not bringing not any bringing, animal? I, I don't think I would. You're not even going to Rubius no. Hagrid and just sneak in Arachromantula? Uh, you're going to sneak Aragog in there? I just don't see myself. That I, I'm sorry, it's an Acromantula. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuffs, you stick to the rules. You know what I'm hearing? Justin is not a pet life. person. You know what I'm hearing? Not a pet Justin person. is not to be trusted. <laughs> Not even a guinea pig or a gerbil. Guinea pigs are the best, unless you have my guinea pig. Trust <laughs> they are the best, but they have so many problems. If I could fit a dog inside my tiny two-bedroom California apartment with my family and one-year-old child, I would. But there is just no space. Be, I don't think but I would, you have a cat, I don't right? I would bring a dog either to Hogwarts. Um, Thomas? <laughs> oh, That's his wife's cat. cat. That's not his cat. But, we do not speak of it. <laughs> Oh, I'm pretty torn between a rat or an owl because, you know, a rat, like rats are pretty smart, you know? They are smart you, creatures. It, it can ride around in your pocket. It can curl up in your on your shoulder while you're studying. And I like the practicality of owls, you know? But as you said, you can just use a school one and it's fine. So maybe a rat. I'll tell you, I, I'm not hating on that idea because rats get a bad reputation because they are rodents. But you know what else are rodents? Rabbits. Mm -hmm. We think those are cute are and cuddly. cuddly. And I, mm. I, let me tell you, I there yeah. are a lot of cute rats. Like the naked ones, no thank you. you they know. are all disgusting. And that they The problem is we've seen too many rabbits in, or we've seen too many rats in the sewers. I'll tell you what, nothing looks good after walking around the sewers for two hours. But let me tell you. If you put rabbits, if New York City was full of rabbits in the sewers, we would all hate rabbits. But I We'd be like, those things are hideous. Have you seen that pizza rat video? <laughs> that is like the best video. It is a rat in the New York subway dragging a whole slice of pizza along. And that is that was a highlight to me for quite a long time. Showed it to like 20 people. That sounds it is adorable. wonderful. He just wants his pizza. And I respect it. Well, Lizzie and I are bringing dogs. Liz, what kind of dog oh, are you I'm bringing? Oh, I'm bringing Kevin. <laughs> What kind? What breed is well, Kevin let me again? Tell you. Kevin was supposed to be a beagle cocker spaniel, 
Did Kevin turn out to be a beagle cocker spaniel? No, but Kevin turned out to nope. be it's like a terrier or something. Some sort of Jack Russell Schnauzer Le Petit Griffon Vendeen mixture of dog that is adorable and spunky and highly obnoxious. Kevin is much like my own personality. Kevin is a gadget dog. Because <laughs> that is where he came from. <laughs> Kevin is actually with us right now. He's been sitting on my lap. Just oh, I haven't heard his jingle. Let's took it off. I was wondering if you guys oh, could hear smart. me scratching his neck for a bit because he was loving it, but no one said anything. Dad went to bed and he heard voices, so he got sad. <laughs> so. Rob, you have I have two, two dogs. dogs. Neither of them are suitable for Hogwarts. I got one dog who climbs chain link fences. Beautiful. His name is Strider. And uh, he's our rescue. He was uh, rescued and he found, we were told that he was found on a highway on the interstate. And we thought, man, how terrible of these owners just to abandon their dog on the interstate. And then our dog climbed a chain link fence and got loose in the neighborhood. And we were like, oh, I totally get it. <laughs> this dog is the problem. You can't have that dog running baby. around the ever-changing staircases of Hogwarts. One, he's not smart enough to get back. Love that dog. He's not a smart one. He looks like a lab, but he's got, like, the brain of a different kind of creature. Brain of a squirrel. <laughs> it is, here's the problem. It gives you two binary choices that make absolutely no sense. And then I've got a cattle dog. That, that, that actually would be a good dog to bring to Hogwarts. That'd be a good, uh, you know, groundskeeping dog. He plays frisbee. I can imagine just you know playing Quidditch with that dog, teach him how to sit on a broom. So I'd have awesome to bring like a good working. I'm not bringing a lap dog. You know what I mean? Because you can't defend a lap dog to your friends in your uh, in the Gryffindor common room. You got to have a working dog, a dog that can do tricks. Well, Kevin does tricks. Kevin does, in fact, do a lot of tricks. That is a well-trained dog. Thanks, Abby. Oh yeah, you're welcome, Abby. <laughs> I did my fair share of trick training. So we've talked about wands. We've talked about pets that we would bring. And then there's the coup de gras, the piece de la resistance for any uh, Hogwarts students first time going into the hallowed halls. There is the sorting ceremony. Now, we've all talked about us being in the different houses, myself being in Gryffindor, Justin being in Hufflepuff, Liz being in Slytherin and Abby being in Ravenclaw. Now, here's the thing. Do we all agree with those different uh, different placements? We've taken the tests. Do we agree? So my test usually comes back as Gryffindor. Where are you taking uh, that, that test? That is through Pottermore and through oh. other third-party tests. Usually Gryffindor. Well, that's what, that's what we got to address. All right. So we all know, and we can all agree, the Pottermore house sorting test is garbage. Exactly. Right? It'll show you chess pieces and be like Done black or, or white. Moon or stars, left or right, <laughs> yeah, up or down. And then it's like, oh, you're in Hufflepuff. I'm like, I don't understand how I got there. It has nothing to do with what... Maybe I should have picked down. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is why I know in my heart, I am a Slytherin. I am extremely self-preserving. Uh-huh. So... The sorting hat always. Well, I mean, if it took my self into consideration, like, what if I mean, who doesn't want to be in Gryffindor, right? Like, Harry Potter was in Gryffindor. But if you address who are you as an individual, I know I'm a Slytherin. And with that being said, I, I know, you my know everybody thinks they're a Gryffindor. 
Everybody thinks they're a Gryffindor, but you know, not everybody is a Gryffindor. That's not a bad right. thing. You know, it's not a cool That's... thing, but it's not a bad thing. Nope. Exactly. I'm proud to be Hufflepuff. I feel like it's the it's the house to be Hufflepuff. in. Everybody that is, in fact, what J.K. Rowling has said, that everyone should aspire to be in Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised that Professor Lupin I himself... I'm telling you, I agree with you, Jay. If everybody in the world was a Hufflepuff, the world would be a nice place. Very peaceful. Everybody would go to bed at 6.30 p.m. after having a lovely uh, dinner of tea and toast. <laughs> tea and toast. Dinner of tea and toast. <laughs> People would not be watching television. So what are the characteristics of a Hufflepuff? I know they're loyal. Oh, boy. They are loyal. They are trustworthy. Yes. They value mm-hmm. friendship. Yeah. Hardworking is another quality that's commonly seen with Hufflepuffs. Most importantly, they are also the garbage choices. It literally, the sorting house for one of uh, its little songs that it spouts out. It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The sorting hat. My bad. Um, it literally does say in Helga Hufflepuff she did just take all the rest after spouting out like the first three houses and like who went in there it's like you know she wanted everyone she wanted to welcome everyone she did hospitality we can add hospitality to the list of Hufflepuff traits well I feel like hospitality is manners which is a learned trait anyone can do we're gonna have to touch base on that later because we're gonna be talking about uh nature versus nurture with house sortings um but abby what house would you uh what would you think ravenclaw is a appropriate match I for do, you which i know liz very much disagrees but i feel very strongly about ravenclaw um you know it is learning which i mean for fun i am just reading articles there was a period of time when instead of working i was just reading Wikipedia articles about all the U.S. presidents and the development of the states because I just thought it was fun. I did work in a library, you know. You that is that true. Happened, um, you know. And I mean, I um, I learned how to be a phlebotomist. I learned how I learned. I like. I became licensed in insurance. And yeah, sure, like, um, and I mean, what is all you need is to be an accountant, and then you. Yeah, I was about to say the only thing more Ravenclaw than being an insurance agent is being an Which accountant. I would kill myself over. <laughs> Take that out of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't say that. <laughs> but like you know, and learning like I have a ton of language apps on my like phone. Um, like for fun, I like to watch like just different videos on learning things. Like that's I don't know. I I I enjoy that sort of stuff and. Let's see, it, what else is sort of a thing? Like intelligence, learning, wisdom. Like I'm not claiming intelligence, uh, but it's like the learning, the wisdom, and it's wit, which I guess that's, you know. And let me tell you why Abby's not a Ravenclaw. How is it that children- Ravenclaws are straight A students. No, when not. was the last time you got straight A? I t- we've gone now let's let's be clear. I'm sure that there are some B students and C students, and in Abby's case, D students in Ravenclaw. I was a BC student. Thank you very much. Yeah, they do. No one cares. They look B's get you know, degrees, B and C you know student. I'd say, like, you know what? It's fine. Meanwhile, you're also that's right. Abby was a BC student. BC standing for bad credits. <laughs> but man, I passed. And hey, you know. 
I, as I said, I got license and insurance that happened. I was top of my class in phlebotomy. There was only four of us, mind you, but still top. I'm telling you, one of them the other was, ones must have been Gryffindors. Uh, one of them <laughs> just happened to wander into Hogwarts. Like, hey, where am I supposed to be there? I was going to say, just because somebody is bad does not automatically make them Slytherin. Wormtail. Gryffindor. Yeah. Bad. But he might have had he might have had like a good heart in the beginning and then he just became a little sniveling coward and sold out his friends. Well. Mhm. Mm. That's the tricky thing with the sorting hat because the sorting hat might be Dumbledore does say that. people into their houses too early. Mhm. Mm yeah. Does that Dumbledore? So that sometimes I think we sort too soon. Well, here's the thing. How do you how do you teach those kids if they don't have houses? You're telling me that they just have first and second years wearing gray ties? All right, send the gray ties in for their flying well, Let lessons. me tell you, it's probably way cheaper than having to buy a branded tie. No, that's probably true. Or they could just have generic ties that are available to all first years. Although, actually, really, like, they definitely, they, they wouldn't be able to pick up those ties or, you know, their um, house colors before they had it off in their first year because they weren't sorted. Very true. So that's so That's they definitely true. like got it some from someone that was never acknowledged, but they I bet here's here's a fun theory. I bet that's how Luna Lovegood got that lion head that she wears to the Quidditch game. <laughs> I bet Luna was like getting ready for being on the Hogwarts Express, like, oh I can't wait to be in Gryffindor, guys. I even bought this lion head. <laughs> and then she sits down. Here's her moment. Sits on that little uncomfortable stool that's worn from thousands of seats. The hat goes on her head. She closes her eyes. Ravenclaw! <laughs> I think... The heartbreaking disappointment. Because nobody wants to be in Ravenclaw. What? There's nothing wrong with Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Nothing wrong with Ravenclaw. But Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff are like the Green Party and the Libertarian Party in America. There's two parties that matter. And everything else is, you know, a throwaway. <laughs> They're growing. The American Taxpayers Party. I'm not saying which party is which. Which party is Slytherin and Gryffindor. I will just say that I bleed red in all things. I bleed red for Gryffindor. And I have a heart of gold, like the red and gold of that lion. <laughs> which leads me to being a place in Gryffindor. So, uh, Gryffindor is known for bravery and courage. That's the biggest thing. Boldness that you see in Gryffindors, but a lot of times there are uh, positive qualities that are underlooked there too, uh, being thrill seekers, um, people who are willing to jump into a situation. Loyalty is very important to Gryffindors as well. But a lot of times I see more of the Gryffindor traits and the downsides of being a Gryffindor, things like being uh, a little bit uh, haughty, being arrogant, often being stubborn and headstrong, headstrong. being hot-headed. Those are those are like the downsides of Gryffindor that when you when you hear those things, I'm like, oh, OK, I get it. I think we can all agree that where right. we ended up getting placed seems about right for our characters. Um, but there's like some kind of mystery with the sorting hat and how it sorts people into the different houses that really hasn't really been explained that well inside the Harry Potter universe. Is it predestination is it nature versus nurture you know you look at the weasleys and other key members of the slytherin house where they're pure bloods they are this this mm -hmm. rich lineage of of magic users 
I definitely think it does. I mean, um, like Luna Lovegood's um, dad was Ravenclaw as well. Um, So I think that definitely played a key part in that. And, you know, Harry's parents were both Gryffindor. And that definitely, I think, was part of it. I don't know what Neville's parents were, though. They were probably Gryffindor. They were both Gryffindors. So I think um, we can equate being sorted into a Harry Potter is, house as similar to picking your sorority or your fraternity. Mm, right. Yeah. So, so like a legacy, there is a legacy to it. However, as what Dumbledore says, the house can take your, or what Harry says, the mm. house the sorting hat can take your opinion. So if you feel strongly against one house as Harry felt strongly against because he could have been sorted into Slytherin because he had Voldemort's mm-hmm. Horcrux inside of him, um, but he didn't want Slytherin. Mm-hmm. So being sorted into Gryffindor, I think made sense alongside of being a legacy member. Mm-hmm. But then you take individuals such as Parvati and Padma Patil, probably the most popular out of every single forum when you ask are you in the same house as your sibling? Or other, than, other than Sirius Black, of course. Right. That is right. The Patel twins are in different houses. Right. Uh, and uh, in Gryffindor. Yeah. And then you look at, in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Harry's, two of his children are in Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. The third, Albus, is put into Slytherin. Same sort of scenario, Remus Lupin, Gryffindor. Tonks, Hufflepuff, mm-hmm. their son, Teddy Lupin, put into Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. So you see a lineage there as well. Very fitting. I think, though, that the sorting hat always has the final say. Because you look at, like, okay, well... Exactly. You know, I'm glad service, you're bringing this up. Tell him about Neville. In Hufflepuff, but the hat saw something inside Neville that made it override his desire. And Gryffindor! What house? Gryffindor sense at the time no and for six it books it made no completely sense. no sense <laughs> Not necessarily. and then for 80 percent of the seventh book it made zero sense so you see neville portray a lot of gryffindor qualities throughout the series i mean he got 10 points at the very end of book one because he stood up to his friends he was part of the deal okay okay, okay. he fair. was in the yes. battle at yep. the ministry That's with true. the death eaters also true. Did not do very well, but also true. And he was there, you know? That takes a lot of courage to step out of that the comfort zone of your school and come under All right, other life. students who also were present, Luna Lovegood, Ravenclaw. Yeah, but, you know, that still takes a lot of courage, you know? Were there any Hufflepuffs there present? Were there were not. With that being said, there were no Slytherins present unless they were on the bed. Uh, there, were, there were Slytherins <laughs> present, trust me. <laughs> There were, I believe there were. (laughs) I said, I added, unless they were on the bad side. With that being said, um, Neville showed a lot of courage, as we've already said. In the very final book, he stood up to the Caro twins Mm -hmm. multiple times. Yep, I think. I think this is an important thing to mention. It seems that the Sorting Hat sees things in people that they don't necessarily see in themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, Neville is the greatest example of that. I'd have to agree with Justin. I think that the Sorting Hat has the final say over what house a student is placed in. But we still haven't dealt with the question of nature versus nurture. 
So is that so we've we've talked about legacies, we've talked about there are trends within families to go into certain houses, but what about what about it? What is it that makes it that way? I don't believe that nature versus nurture has anything to do with being sorted, and this is why. So we who I was as an individual walking into college when I was 22 is not the same person that I am today. That person was stupid. <laughs> Fair A1. And the way that I viewed the world sure. was and myself, I thought I was this, you know, big hot shot walking into college. And now I view myself as an idiot even now. Um, but if it was in Harry, okay, so if it was nurture then Harry would be in Slytherin because of how he was raised. Mm -hmm. You look at the Dursleys, every single one of them, Slytherin. So if Nurture had... Actually, every single one of them, Okay, well, fair. But they would have more Slytherin qualities. Or the way that he was raised, he would have a very um, pessimistic side to the world, and he would be more self-preserving. I feel like we're just spreading anti-Slytherin propaganda. I am not anti-Slytherin. I myself am proud. All, not all Slytherins abuse their children and lock them in cupboards okay. under the stairs. And some of them Slytherin, I'm sure, are very fine people. I mean, to be fair, the brave, one of the bravest men that uh, Harry knew was a Slytherin. Indeed. Snape himself. Severus Snape. But even looking at, like, nurture from the Dursleys it it didn't seem to have a lasting effect on Harry in the sense that like it changed his good nature he still almost seemed like he persevered sure. through I agree with that and I'll tell you why he's a rebellious child so we look at people not mentioning anybody who might be in this group Lizzie who might also be somewhat of a similar rebellious child mm -hmm. And you have some children who buck at the mm. legacy that is put on them and with their determination, by sheer determination not to be like their family, not to be like the people who raised them, wind up in a different house. Who is an example of this? Sirius Black, Harry Potter's godfather, mm. who settles and says to himself, I could not stand being in Slytherin. I would hate it. And what happens? He's put into Gryffindor rebellious child then you've got uh albus severus potter very much uh similar to sirius black and here's the sad thing is we're led to believe in the epilogue of the seventh movie that albus severus is indeed going to be in gryffindor and then the stage play comes out <laughs> jk rowling took it to the stage <laughs> And what do we see? Albus, Albus Severus Potter is a rebellious child. How rebellious? So rebellious that he even goes back in time and almost brings back the Dark Lord. That is exactly what happens. Oh, is that what happens? In At the least book? according to my SparkNotes research. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a, yeah, it's been a while. It's been since been I read a while that book. Does he do it entirely willingly? No, but he is easily confused and led astray because he is... A rebellious because child. He is an eleven-year-old stupid boy, as are all eleven-year-old boys. And like eleven-year-old stupid boys, they are easily swayed by attractive blonde-haired women. Trying to say, are you trying to call Scorpius like the person <laughs> <that> <laughs> a blonde-haired woman? Perhaps that blonde-haired woman also 
A rebellious child. Actually, more like a total psychopath. But you know, what else can you do when you're the when you're the spawn of the Dark Lord? A lot going on when you're eleven too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got. Yeah, I'm not convinced that that the Sorting Hat sitting over or hovering over Slytherin or Gryffindor or the other houses for Harry is because of the Horcrux that is inside Harry. I think that part of that could be very well that Harry himself was self Are you telling, are you telling me that also they're for self-centered ego. egoists? Well, yeah. Yeah. These are these are traits that could also be said of Gryffindor. Merlin was Slytherin, but, and I... That is true. Greatest wizard yeah, of all I time. Mean, it's, I mean, ego sometimes it gets you places. Sometimes you know, like yeah, just unless you're like Marvel O'Gon, who just sat there in his dirty mm. little hut and just uh, raved about his ancestors. Yeah. So. Hey, and we're forgetting the good, the good-hearted Slytherins that are out there. We're forgetting about the Severus Snapes. We're forgetting about Horace Slughorn, who this podcast is named after. Club club. Which is why we get our name from the Slug Club. A Slytherin. It's true. It's true. So we go back. As much as I don't like Slytherin, let's be fair. Very true. Now, my idea, so I think that there is a legacy. And whenever we see people bucking from the legacy uh, theme, that there is a rejection of the family values. I think that is the most important thing that sorts somebody into the house is what is their values. A lot of times families are the ones that are giving the source for young people to have their values. And so you see a lot of families that are in the same house. Why? Because they share the same values, not necessarily just character traits, but values. Being loyal and being hardworking are values just as much as they are traits. Being brave and courageous are values just as much as they are traits. Which, you know, that could go into the whole, like... You know, maybe the maybe they're sorted too soon because I feel like a lot of things that I held important to me at eleven, I definitely don't now. You know, like because when you're eleven, you especially are going to assume that everything your parents say must be the truth. And I, you know, and then you get older and you realize, you know, that's not always accurate. You know what that sounds like to me, mm -hmm. Abby? A rebellious child. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> well, I think um, Abby has a good point. So, I mean, we come from a family that does not believe in climate change. And here yeah, you are, two, uh, two people who are concerned about climate yeah. change. So, Absolutely. So I agree. But um, they're definitely, it definitely seems. Wait, 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 wait. We got to put a pause in this. We're concerned about climate change. Abby. What are you and your husband going to be doing for the next year? Well, so actually, we are going to be traveling around in a van, but we have like, you know, we are our energy. In a giant gas guzzling carbon dioxide we spewing. We're using less energy to. Hunk of machine. We are using less energy to heat up our van than it takes the average person to heat up their house. We are. You just got all the answers. We are using solar energy to power up That's our true. electronics. You know, and it's like, yeah, it is in a van, but it's like the type of van we have. It can take different types of gas. So while it is gasoline, it has options. 
And also we have something powered up to our alternator as well. So while we are driving it, it does power up our battery. So we are getting energy from that as well. So it's not just wasted energy. Let's go. Now I've got a theory. I've got a theory. And Abby, don't be mad about Continue. this. Hmm. All right. I've got a theory that this whole trip around the country is just running away from your family values because you, Abigail, are in fact a rebellious oh child. <laughs> Let's explore this a little bit. Hufflepuff and Pickle. Slytherin. For sure. This is what they'd be sorted into. I, I think we would agree. In that order. And Slytherin, exactly. And where is falling? Lizzie has been following her mother into the house of Slytherin. Your oldest brother, Ben. Uh, full puff. The son of Dave. What house is he going into? <laughs> the Hufflepuff. rebellious child. Can't handle rebellious child. Coming to Broadway next week, J.K. Rowling's new stage production, Harry Potter and the rebellious child. You know what? I'm not mad. I would say it's running away. No, it's a great opportunity to explore the wondrous world. That's Ravenclaw qualities, wanting to see the see the world and study the world firsthand. Well, it is wisdom because I'm like, you know, a lot of people, what do they do mm. when they're in this stage of life? They do things that might tie them down and then they don't have this opportunity later. We're like, nothing's tying us down. We're just going to do it. This is thing people talk about and they never do it their entire lives. And we're like, you know what? I've known yep. a lot of people that have passed away young this year and they thought they had their entire lives to do things and it's not guaranteed. So we're just get the getting while the getting yep. is good. Yep. So why not? Plus can't leave the country anyway. So uh, may as well as explore our own backyard. We can't leave this country. It's 2020. So you might as well explore the nation and start a podcast. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club Podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club Podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at the Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.